0: You, 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 you know know I D I D in the in the town all day. I D I D in the in S E A. S-E-A. You, you know I D I D in the in the town all day. I D I D in the in S E A. S-E-A.
1: Hello and welcome to a special episode of the fabulous Pelton Cast. I'm your co-host Kevin Pelton.
0: And I'm Tristan Carcino. <laughs>
1: And for the second time this week, the third emergency pod third, of the week. Third emergency pod. The second coaching search emergency pod of the <sighs> week. Because just like the Seattle Seahawks, by their choice, need a new head coach. The Washington Huskies football program needs a new head coach. And in this case, it is not at all their choice. Kaelin DeBoer leaving to be Nick Saban's replacement at Alabama. Something I, I think we had all feared. From the moment that Saban news dropped almost immediately after the announcement that Pete Carroll was out as Seahawks head coach. What a week. Lemon.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's January 12th. Uh, I, 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 it's just a really, really long week. I don't know if you knew it was only five days. Um, this was the longest week in Husky sports history. I think maybe you have to look all the way back to, I'd be curious for somebody's perspective on how this feels vis-a-vis Billy Joe Hobert. but like, it's been a long one, but I think before anything, I think the most important thing to recognize is just the contributions because there's going to be a lot of, you keep smirking at me. There's a lot of contributions that De DeBoer has had through the university of Washington, which we've never really seen before and hopefully we'll see again, but like in these two seasons, and it's kind of wild to think just how short it actually was that he was here at the university of Washington. We've seen him beat Oregon three consecutive times. We've seen him beat former head coach, Steve Sarkeesian at Texas back to back years. Like the, the record kind of stands for itself three losses in two seasons. It's absolutely incredible. Michael Penix, bringing him in like he was Kalen DeBoer's guy, you know? There's nobody else who can really take credit for that. Being able to keep much of the class that they had from Jimmy Lake and Chris Peterson before then, like Roma Doonsay and the year that he's had, Roma Doonsay has reached truly goaded status for me as maybe my favorite Husky of all time in a way that I don't know it, it'll be possible to love another Husky player in the way that I love Roma Doonsay and what he did this year. Um, and college football is meant to be, in a lot of ways, a transitional sport. You fall in love with these players, and then they're somewhere else. And it's kind of a wild thing to think about. Like, I saw the all pro teams get announced this week, and I see Trent McDuffie as the number one all pro cornerback. And I'm like, that's cool. But I don't feel the same way that I feel about it when they're a Husky. You know, like they're off in the NFL. If Devin Witherspoon would have been on there, I would have been more excited. He's from Illinois. So. I do think it's a transitional sport and the way the way that you have these feelings, you just kind of can't capture, you know, even seeing Jake Browning with the Bengals. Love Jake Browning. Everything Jake Browning accomplished at UW. But if Did the Bengals wrong. lose, I don't feel I don't feel feelings about it. And that's what college football really is about. It's a transitional sport and it's a place that you fall in love with these players for a short period of time. And sometimes they achieve things that are truly incredible. And that's what Kalen DeBoer achieved in these last two years, reaching heights that we've never seen. Even with this, I think he's probably not going to go down as the greatest coach in UW history. It's still Don James, but I think these I two mean, seasons may go down as.
1: Kalen DeBoer did an incredible job. He was here two years. He's not going down as the greatest UW football coach this century, this decade. I mean, I guess this decade uh, was Jimmy Lake liking him. So but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's it, Chris Peterson's entire tenure and what he did with the program, I think, is still more important than what Kalen DeBoer did.
0: But this was maybe the greatest two season run as Husky football coach, and definitely in our adult lifetimes. And that's why it brings me so little joy to have to say, Kalen DeBoer retire, bitch! <laughs> Never thought I would say it.
1: Never see it coming. Well, Never
0: thought I would say it.
1: Katie is shocked to hear that if she manages to overcome her emotions and actually listen to this podcast. I, I think number one, that the anger that is out there today from the Washington fan base in large numbers is misplaced. I'm very much a don't cry because it happened or don't cry because it's over smile because it happened kind of person. But... Like, if you're that upset about Kalen DeBoer daring to leave UW after two years, how do you mm. reconcile that with the fact that he left Fresno State after two years to come to UW? A place where he had much stronger ties, having previously been there as an offensive coordinator under Jeff Tedford. Like, this is, it's all in the game, to to quote the wire. Like, bigger schools are always going to poach from smaller schools. We're going to talk about a bunch of coaches that the Huskies could hire most of them are not going to be coaches that are either currently offensive winners out of work. We're talking about the Huskies going away and hiring a coach from another program just because they have more money and are a bigger school. And guess what? Even though I think that what happened with Steve Sarkisian and Mike Norvell and Dan Lenning demonstrated that Alabama is maybe not the most coveted job in the country. I want to I talk about that. But It is still yeah. the biggest program in the country without question. And this was a unique opportunity. Something I've been reflecting on a lot lately with the Huskies football program in particular is the parable of the Chinese farmer where various gooder things ha- happen and you know people reflect on the luck and the farmer says, maybe so. And that's how I feel about the UW football program in the last four years because it's like Jimmy Lake is fired midseason unceremoniously. The team goes four and eight. What terrible luck for the Huskies. Maybe so. They hire Kalen DeBoer. Jake Hayner is all set to transfer here. Doesn't think he's going to get approved for the second transfer, which now the NCAA has completely made legal in all cases. Doesn't come. What a huge crushing disappointment. We make a verb out of it. Heinering. Was that bad <laughs> luck? Maybe so. Michael Penix Jr. comes instead, wins the Heisman. The Huskies go to the college. I like football. the
0: revisionist history of him winning the Heisman. I'm sorry.
1: sorry
0: On this podcast, he won it. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, good fair play. They're Mexi fries, and Michael Penix Jr. won the Heisman.
1: <laughs> I again, I'm still not comfortable with that term. I just don't think Teeter Fries was the right replacement. <laughs> the Huskies go 14 and 0, go to the College Football Playoff Championship. What amazing fortune! Maybe so. It happens to be the year that Nick Saban decides to retire at Alabama, and you know, I I don't think the DeBoer was going to get the Michigan job, assuming Harbaugh left. That this was the one job out there that was the reason that he was waiting to sign this contract extension, and so the timing of when the Huskies had their best season since 1991 did it does at this point look like terrible luck. But who knows what we're going to be saying about it in five or ten years?
0: Yep, totally agree, and that's that's kind of all I thought about as well. Like, it's just the the shortness of Caitlin DeBoer's tenure at UW. Makes It reminds you of how uh, uh, quick these things can happen. That Kalen DeBoer can go from a guy coaching at Fresno State to coaching fucking Alabama in
1: a two guy, years. A guy offensive coordinator at Fresno State in 2018, within six years, from offensive coordinator at Fresno State to head coach at Alabama. Like, that's got to be unprecedented in the history of major college football.
0: I I totally agree with you. I guess a ha- a handful of points there. Kalen DeBoer doesn't owe us anything, you know? Like He does does
1: owe UW $12 million.
0: Yeah, sure. Kalen DeBoer doesn't owe us as the city of Seattle anything or the University of Washington anything beyond that $12 million. They hired him because he was a good coach at a smaller level and UW was a bigger program than Fresno State and he did great at UW and then he moved up. Period. UW didn't take a flyer on Kalen DeBoer. UW didn't pluck him out of, you know, this wasn't the kid who starred in the holdovers, right? He didn't get plucked out of nowhere. Kalen DeBoer was a good football coach at a smaller program. And before then, he was a good football coach at an even smaller program. That's it. That's how this shit works. That's how it works everywhere. If Kalen DeBoer chose to stay, that would be because what Kalen DeBoer thinks he can achieve at the University of Washington is greater than what he could have achieved at the University of Alabama. That's how this goes. Just because his kids enrolled in school here committed to play for UW softball, we didn't do anything. They committed to play UW softball because he happened to be the coach there. Like, they hired him to a contract. And I, I think the... The idea, I still like Keelan DeBoer. Honestly, my feelings about Keelan DeBoer are mostly unchanged after this move. And I I will say, maybe this is coping or whatever, because the second piece to this is, I think a lot of people fucked up this week. I think three to four people made a bad decision. And again, this might be coping, etc. Dan Lanning is still the head coach of the University of Oregon. They're in the Big Ten, but It's the University of Oregon. There are resources. Is the University of Oregon ever going to have the history of the University of Alabama? Is there ever a chance to be the greatest coach in college football history? Because what we talked about when we talked about Jerry DePoto and his 54% win percentage is it's not about winning 54% of the games and getting there. The goal should be to try to win every single game. And that's what Kalen DeBoer is doing. And you know where it's a lot easier to try to win every single game? At the University of Alabama. It's a lot easier there because they've had maybe the two greatest coaches in college football history. So I don't think there's almost any argument that could be made. You could have, you know, Carol erasure. I mean, it was not that long, but yes, sure. Uh That is a place that you can be the greatest coach. Nick Saban, uh, there was a stop in between, but he left LSU to go to Alabama, ultimately. Like, there are bigger jobs that people would have left than University of Washington to go there. And all of those coaches who passed on those jobs, I think it was a little bit of short-term thinking. If Kalen DeBoer is kicking Oregon's ass next year in the college football playoff, I will derive much joy from that. Like, to me, I'm not going to be bummed because it's Kalen DeBoer doing it. I will be happy that smile because they're losing. Don't don't cry because it's not to us smile because they're losing. And that's what I think a lot of coaches made the decision to try to do it at harder places to do it. They made the choice to intentionally avoid being the greatest coach in college football history. And I think it's small time thinking. I I think it is you, you can hit a fucking home run at Alabama in a way that you could not at the university of Washington. There was not a chance that he could have recruited at UW in the way that he'll be able to recruit at Alabama. Is it going to be harder at Alabama in some capacities? Yes. But why not in our lives, take a second to try to do something great if that makes sense. And I think that's what Kalen DeBoer did. And I don't begrudge him for it. Sometimes being at the biggest place is really, really fun. And that's the best job. And to me, I thought that when UW joined the big 10, I think it made them, I felt like it made them mostly immune to this. And they were immune to it outside of four schools, five schools.
1: I'd say a half dozen, but yeah, it's somewhere in that ballpark.
0: It is Alabama. It's Georgia. It's Michigan. It's Ohio state. It's maybe USC. That's it. But he took the best job in the country. He took the job that two different times has able to, has enabled coaches to be the best coach in college football history. Nick Saban wasn't going to do that shit at Michigan State. Nick Saban wasn't going to do that at LSU. Being at Alabama, you have the infrastructure. You have the resources. It's fucking Alabama. Like, we are deluding ourselves to think that he would have stayed here. And if Kalen DeBoer, obviously, I would have been excited if he made the choice to stay at the University of Washington. And that would have been great. If he could have had something and been like, Dan Lanning says this, I'm going to respond in this way, but like, I there could come a time that all of a sudden Dan Lanning is 500 at Oregon, or Steve Sarkeesian is out of favor at Texas, and they didn't take the shot. They didn't take the shot to be the greatest coach in college football history, and Kalen DeBoer took the shot. He's probably not going to be the greatest coach in college football history, but at least he's got a chance now. So to me, if you have the chance at the number one job in the country, you have to do it.
1: I do wonder to what extent the fact that Kaelin DeBoer's track record is what it is, where he's won at all these different slots at all these different levels. That's a different track record than, you know, Steve Sarkisian, I think is a very good coach, lost a lot of games at Washington, you know. Mike Norvell, same thing. You know, it was an instant success every single place he went. And and I wonder to what extent that made De DeBoer more confident in his ability to do it. But, look, like, this is not an Alabama podcast. This is not a Kaelin DeBoer podcast. I think we need to get back to, like, the state of UW. And, that's that's uh,
0: all I'm saying is I, I don't begrudge him for that. And I do think there are some other coaches out there who just they didn't take a swing at greatness. And if that opportunity comes up, it might only come up. The, honestly, the chances of an opportunity to coach a program like Alabama probably is going to come up once. Yeah. You can't rely on it happening again. And I think there's also reality that we have to look at here and that we may not love Kalen DeBoer the way that we loved him this year. Like there could have been a season next year going into the Big Ten. All of the players that are going to the NFL, we're going to the NFL irrelevant of De DeBoer. Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk, Roma Dunze, Michael Penix, Dylan Johnson, Troy Fautanu, Braylon Trice. They were gone. There was no chance of them coming back. This isn't Ohio State running it back. Like, they're good. I think there are other good players in the roster. But, like, they were gone irrelevant of this. And I don't, wait, what was my point?
1: I don't know. But <laughs> you see me leaning, heading towards It's just the, oh, the large that, amount of doomsday about the Huskies. might not
0: have felt the way about, it's what, what is the Pelton-Cast golden rule?
1: We don't know how we're going to feel about things until they happen.
0: You don't, Pete Carroll? There was not a moment that we would have considered in 2013, 2014 that he would ever get a retire, bitch. But like time passes and things change. And that to me is in one year, if Kalen DeBoer stays at UW and they're seven and five, we probably don't want Kalen DeBoer fired. But like we might, you might see the, the issues arise. You might be like, well, he didn't recruit very well in the transfer portal. They probably got like the 12th best quarterback. Like, th- there were some things that they didn't do along the way. He barely beat Arizona State. They almost lost to Oregon State. Like, they almost freaking lost to Wazoo in the Apple Cup. They didn't, which is great. But, like, you might start noticing the things that this year we looked past because they happened to win all the games. And as, as the dial, as, as the the mean always pulls stuff toward it, we might not have felt great about Kalen DeBorn here. So I, I don't have that same level of doomsday. I, I think that UW will end up with a fine coach. One way or another is going to be a reset of the program to a certain extent after the season because everybody came back.
1: Yes, uh, that's 100 percent true. I mean, I think the number one biggest thing for me to tell people is, look, the success of programs is much more about the program than it is the individual lead. Yet. And we've talked about this with Mike Hopkins and we talked about this with you know Mel Tucker as an example in college football. Where you often get yourself in trouble is you're so convinced that you have the right coach based on a small sample that you extend them to a contract where it then becomes very difficult or impossible to move on when those results don't continue. And I don't think that's going to happen or was going to happen had Kaylin DeBoer stayed and signed you know, what would have been a top 10 coaching contract at UW. But nobody thought that we were going to be this down on Mike Hopkins when he was extended after he had won Pac-12 Coach of the Year in each of his first two years as a head coach. You know, and people at Michigan State, the rest of us maybe saw it with Mel Tucker when he got that contract, but people at Michigan State weren't thinking, oh, hey, this is a fluke season that we're going to struggle to replicate. No one ever anticipates that. You're always excited about it in the moment. And I think you could think of a lot of examples of situations where, an individual coach left and programs continue their trajectory. Gonzaga men's basketball, you know, obviously UW won't have the advantage of beating up on a small conference the way that you think is the only reason that Gonzaga is good. But Mm -hmm. that only happened because Dan Monson, who by the way was the Huskies first choice to be their head coach when they hired Lorenzo Romar. uh, He went to Minnesota and flopped there and Mark Few took over and the program went on the run that it did like, the there is are there surely are individual is such a thing as coaching ability, but we overestimate our ability to, you know, describe it and and determine separate that from situation and program success and all of those factors. And then the other element of it is like whatever factor you're talking about, the recruiting from Kalen DeBoer. Uh, which people have now used as like a a criticism of him today, that he left the program in dire states because he didn't try hard enough to recruit, which is just the most preposterous possible complaint. Like, He's not an A-plus recruiter, though. We haven't seen that yet, but he also had like one full recruiting class at UW. I
0: I will just be real. I think he's all of a sudden going to become an A-plus recruiter. I I agree.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So like UW is going to be where they are. The other element of it is... Look, by successfully nailing the De DeBoer hire two years ago, well, it set them up to have this additional coaching search two years later. The program is in a way better situation. You're two years closer to the end of Jimmy Lake's contract. The fact that you're paying him that salary is no longer an obstacle. You got the $12 million buyout. They can go out, you know, not with, not whoever they want, but within reason they can aspire to the best, third tier coaches in the country in a way that even when they hired Kaylin DeBoer, they, they maybe could not have gotten all of those guys at that period of time. And, you know, long-term they are in the big 10. We've talked about that at length, how important it is to them to have made that transition. It's kind of amusing to think in hindsight of Kevin DeBoer and Jen Cohen, were two people were driving that decision, and neither of them made it to when you have actually landed yeah. in the Big Ten.
0: I mean, it's almost like you probably shouldn't trust people who are there just because of the contract to be making these decisions, but it is what it I is. Mean, but everyone
1: is. Who, who's the person who's, I guess, the trustees are, are maybe... Didn't Jen you know, Cohen
0: go to UW and come up through UW? Uh,
1: she did not I don't think she went to UW, but yes, yeah, she was a like lifelong Husky fan. I don't think you should distrust them. It's just that you have to understand that the university is going to Washington is going to outlast all of us yeah, in all likelihood. So none of none of us individually are that important.
0: You have to trust that people acting in their own selfish interests, their own selfish interests are probably also beneficial for for the whole, if that right. makes sense. Jen Cohen and Kaelin DeBoer's selfish interest of being in the Big Ten was still good for the University of Washington sports
1: overall. I mean, Mike McDaniel talks about this a lot with his players on hard knocks in season. And he's not the only one, but this is fresh in my memory. Like, I want fresh, all of you did guys to. Job. <laughs> well, alternate history. What if this the Seahawks had hired Mike McDaniel as their offensive coordinator instead of Shane Waldron, who I think did a fine job, but is not Mike McDaniel? Uh, I want you guys to all have the best seasons that you can have and get paid as much as you can. And then I'm going to get paid as much as I can. Like, our interests. Our, our selfishness all aligns here towards yeah. the same ultimate goal, I think. So, look, a UW is going to be this. We'll see kind of how much of a reset there is next year. Long term, UW is probably not going to be a consistent, you know, playoff finalist. That probably wasn't going to happen with Kalen DeBoer without him, but they're all also not going to suddenly, like you know, go to the bottom of the Big Ten because of this, as the Doomsdayers would have you believe today.
0: The Doomsdayers are always out doomsday. I mean, uh, that's that's what they do, doomsayers. And and we're, <laughs> I I feel like we are always as as middle of the road as as can be, because of that Pelton Cast Golden Rule and understanding what it means. I mean, you could have said the same thing, like you mentioned, Mel Tucker. the The whole world is littered with coaches who are hot coaches who either took the job or didn't take the job or didn't get that opportunity. And then eventually, over time, most coaches are not Nick Saban. The amount of coaches who are Nick Saban or maybe Kirby Smart or whatever is extraordinarily small.
1: But even Kirby Smart, like we can say it about Nick Saban in a unique way because he did it at so many different different programs. Yes, And most coaches don't even necessarily you know have don't have the ability some don't even have the opportunity to do that you know dan lanning is only coached in oregon and so on and so forth I uh, had the opportunity <laughs> yes he very much had the opportunity <laughs> has not made the choice to do we want I, to talk about replacements or
0: i i just also the sliding doors moment that we kind of talked about where th- this situation and literally two rivals to have their head coaches be two of the top candidates and how much UW has just kind of been involved on the national level. Like, I think that's part of maybe what you're saying the maybe so piece like Steve Sarkisian was the head coach of UW, like two of the four finalists probably for this job were the head coaches of UW and the other one was the coach of their rival. The only one who was completely out of their orbit was Mike Norvell. And look, I wish they'd hired Mike Norvell. I wish they was interested in doing that, but, uh, He chose not to. I will say, that man has a long road ahead of him. And but also speaking of
1: doomsday, and think about the doomsday after Florida State got left out of the playoff. Like, you know, obviously it still may result in them leaving the ACC, but it didn't cause them to lose their coach. They were gonna
0: they were gonna leave the ACC whether they were in the playoff or not. Correct. So uh, there's a lot of little moments you could probably point toward that this might have gone differently, Uh, but the reality is. The situation is what it is, and I think UW will be fine. They're the type of program that I, I think in the new playoff era should be making the playoff every four to six years, something like that, and maybe a little bit more often in the right set of circumstances. A lot of players are going to enter the portal. A lot of players might leave. That's that's how this goes. But eventually, they're going to be back. Like That's, that's not those specific players. They're going so, to be new players. It does sometimes you know? happen. It's not like Michelle Powell is like the linchpin for the next team. Like they're going to have to rebuild it in the way that they probably would have had to rebuild it under Keelan DeBoer as well. So it's just going to be somebody else doing it. Maybe this is there. There are ways that you could view this as a, like it was such an amazing snapshot that we have. College football is supposed to be fun. That's it. You know, it's not our entire lives. It doesn't actually matter that much. Right. Right. Like, the feelings that I'm feeling about college football, I had to be like, this is stupid. I'm listening to the dopest mix from Claw right now. Like, this stuff doesn't matter, you know? I'm just a person who pays money to go to games. And it's fun when they win, but it's also not even that many games per year. Like, it's supposed to be fun. Competing with our rivals at Oregon is fun. Like, the, when you get past that feeling, when you get to the, like, I hate that person, or whatever, you're like, you've gone too far, dude. This is a stupid thing, ultimately. We're talking about, there's the tweet about some person being like, Like, me me alone in the dark in the basement because the 18-year-olds on my team didn't do good enough (laughs) or whatever. And you're just like, yeah. Uh, That this is supposed to be fun, and it's going to be fun to look back on this Kalen DeBoer tenure in Seattle. And one way or another, it's going to have been such an incredible snapshot of two seasons, and they were going to have to rebuild it anyway. Like, I'm almost happy that we get this one beautiful, perfect Kalen DeBoer and we don't, we don't have to have the the ugliness of the other side because it was coming, you know? Chris Peterson was the same thing. Chris Peterson built it up at Boise State. He had to lose. He had to lose sometimes. And Chris Peterson came to UW and he all of a sudden wasn't the winniest record or didn't have the winniest record in all of college football history because that's what happens when you compete more that doesn't, you lose some games. And he did great here. But like somebody else is going to come in and going to rebuild the program in the way that they want to. And I think, so far, U Dub has done a they're three for four for the last hires, and I also the one last we could talk about Ryan Grubb. I think any person who's pointing to Jimmy Lake and the Jimmy Lake tenure as any reason not to consider Ryan Grubb as the head coach is just completely confused about this. Jimmy, every every coach is a different person. Jimmy Lake is such a radically different human being than Ryan Grubb is for everything that we know. And there's also probably a world that Jimmy Lake was the head coach of the University of Washington and was excellent as that head coach. It might have just been a handful of small circumstances that that led him to this place, but I don't believe that Jimmy Lake was like even on onto his own a bad coach. I think some bad stuff happened along the way and he approached some things wrong, but his mindset was not the same as Ryan Grubb's.
1: I also think that from what I know, Jimmy Lake's attitude changed when he became the head coach in a way that probably was not predictable. And that was a large factor in his downfall at UW. But uh, I, I'm reminded of a Ted Lasso line where Coach Beard asked, do you remember what you said when I got dumped by that cruise ship dancer and swore I would never date another dancer again? All people are different people. Just because they hired an assistant coach in-house, a coordinator in-house and that coordinator flopped as a head coach does not mean that all coordinators promoted in-house are going to flop.
0: The in-house piece is like what Kirby Smart was a coordinator. Dan Lanning was a coordinator. Most of these coaches were coordinators at some point. That's I, kind of how it goes, and I do think. Well, that, it is. The,
1: it is a little bit different. I think necessary. You know, there there are different paths to go. Obviously, you're usually almost always going to be a coordinator. Whether you've had that small school ho- coaching experience before you become a head coach is an interesting piece of this, and that is probably what's going to distinguish. I would be surprised if they hired a coordinator who is not Ryan Grubb. That distinguishes him a little bit, I think, from some of the other candidates. Do we want to talk through that list? Absolutely, we do. To me, Grub is the top choice still. I mean, I don't think that like maintaining continuity for the 2024 roster should be the determining factor in this search, but Grub obviously gives you the best chance of that if you retain him. Uh, you mentioned the, the portal piece of this. So players have up to 30 days after a coaching change to submit a notification of portal, in, of transfer, enter their name in the portal, and then you can choose to transfer whenever. But realistically... You know Those spots are filling up right now. If players feel like they're going to want to make a change, they're going to want to get started on that immediately. So you can put your name in and then take it out and decide not to transfer. And whoever the coach is, they're going to have to re-recruit a lot of players. And I think Ryan Grubb does give you the best chance of that. I don't think that's a reason to do it, but... Also, the element that, look, he's been there hand-in-hand hand with Kalen DeBoer designing this offense that was the reason that they were so good. He's been exactly. a part of the aggressiveness on fourth downs. It's kind of everything yeah. you said about Ben Johnson. We were talking about him as a candidate is the head coach for the Seahawks, the the Lions offensive coordinator. Uh, except that it maintains continuity as well.
0: I, I don't know. I think it's really difficult to separate the things we like about Kalen DeBoer from the things that we would hypothetically like about Ryan Grubb. Like, I don't I don't think you'd be like I told Luca this I was like they might hire Ryan Krupp. he's like what about his defense and I'm like what about Kalen DeBoer's defense you know like no. this this team wasn't built that way so I don't I I don't think there's any aside from just not Having been head coach, things we liked about Kalen DeBoer were the offense in general and how it gets players open. I think Ryan Grubb is pretty familiar with that. There's there's a reality that Alabama, for all intents and purposes, tried to hire Ryan Grubb last year and ended up with Todd Mungin too, who's a very desirable coach. Uh, or no, he was Georgia's coordinator. Sorry, uh, was Bill O'Brien the offensive coordinator of Alabama this last year?
1: No, he was the offensive coordinator for the Patriots. They their offensive. Oh, it was, Tommy, it was
0: Tommy Reese. Correct. It was Tommy Reese, right? Yeah.
1: Todd Monken is back in yeah. the NFL, um, is a potential candidate for the Seahawks at coaching job.
0: But the things that we liked about Kalen DeBoer, we probably also would like about Ryan Krupp. And there are some unknowns, but there were some unknowns about Kalen DeBoer as well. So, I think Kalen DeBoer ended up maybe ahead of schedule last year. Like, they just ended up being better than we thought they were going to be in that one season. The things that we really liked about Kalen DeBoer were the winning, and that's what Ryan Krupp hasn't proved yet, but as far as the offense and the aggressiveness, like those are things that we want to see from a coach. And I do think it's the things that are going to be the most consistent. I'm not as against the idea of hiring a defensive minded coach in college, but I I think it can be more replicable year to year if you're coaching defense in college. But at the same time, still would prefer to have an offensive minded coach.
1: All right, we gotta say it. I mentioned him earlier. Like you gotta make the call. Especially if Ryan Grubb does decide to go to Alabama with Kalen DeBoer as offensive coordinator. Pete Carroll, who was asked by Brock and Salk on Thursday in an interview that aired Friday whether he's planning to coach again and said, I don't know that. And then later, I'm not holding my breath. If it happens, it happens. We'll see. But if Pete Carroll's like, I love living in Seattle, I want to keep coaching. Well, guess what? If we got an opportunity for you, Pete Carroll.
0: I, I really, it's so unlikely to happen, but. If Pete Carroll was UW's head coach, it would be similar to a situation when Sark left and Chris Peterson replaced him. It's like if you could pick almost any person in the world that you could just flip Kalen DeBoer for and you would make that trade one-to-one. Pete Carroll is at the top of that list.
1: It's so music because it's like we were ready for Pete Carroll. It was time with the Seahawks. But if he came to UW and was out there in the world where transfers are as prevalent as they Co- are oh, right now.
0: College football is rigged. It is rigged toward Pete Carroll with like, a Super
1: Bowl in his track record. Like, come on, Pete Carroll is good would destroy at UW. I
0: I think that is extraordinarily unlikely. At the same time, the power you can have at a college and how you could just literally coach there forever is kind of something. Uh I I I would be so excited about it, but it's just not gonna happen. Like I think the Pete Carroll and then Chris Peterson pieces yeah, not are, gonna happen. I, it would be incredible, any Pete's. It's so funny that, like, I nobody's. I don't I wouldn't say that we've slandered anybody along the way, but it's like, name matters in college. And that actually is probably the thing. Ryan Grubb is going to be pitching Kalen DeBoer's successes. The good thing is, he's not pitching that toward people who are also going to have a chance to play for Kalen DeBoer, probably. Kalen DeBoer is in a kind of different pool right, right. now. So... Ryan Ryan Grubb is going to be using those if he if he is the head coach he's using those successes that the Huskies had under Keelan DeBoer to pitch himself.
1: Do you have a favorite of the current college head coaches?
0: I think to uh, what's his name Chris Chris Clyman is that how it's pronounced the head coach at Kansas State.
1: Yeah, so my ESPN colleague Troy Rittenberg pointed out that he overlapped with New York Washington. We haven't said Troy Anand's name. Yeah, on this podcast the
0: people being i think there are people who are upset with troy dan and it's like dog he he tried he's yeah. trying jennifer it's like not, there, it's it so like, a, like troy dan oh, was like oh what? fuck we, we forgot we, to extend him we forgot to call him
1: well we'll, we'll oh. talk about it another they forgot to extend him later in this discussion but uh yeah uh, let me see if i can look up what the correct pronunciation of his name is here because i, I did not get that that far in my notes but uh, he overlapped with Troy Dannon at Northern Iowa. They both went there.
0: He also looks like Kalen DeBoer. <laughs> like, I I feel well, like he would bring very Kalen DeBoer energy. Just like seems very steady. And I I actually when all this happened, when, when literally the second Nick Saban left, the thing that made me the most scared about Kalen DeBoer was just how fucking Alabama Kalen DeBoer is. You know, he is Dan Landing isn't no. quite Alabama energy. Dan Lanning is, a, he's, he's a little flashy, like the video that they had and stuff like that's some college football stuff. Kalen DeBoer, like if he was coming back, I don't think there was going to be a, like a video saying, if you're worried about your coach leaving, come play for us, which obviously I was just like, why are you so good at this? Dan Lanning. But <laughs> he is Oregon through and through, you know, and Kalen DeBoer is Alabama. Kalen DeBoer is quiet, steady, and we will beat your ass. So I saw that and I was like, I I felt like he was the one who made the most sense there more than anybody. Uh, obviously, I was hoping that many of the other coaches along the way would have done it. But like everybody else felt a little bit different to me. And he felt to me like the most Alabama of all of the coaches. So I'm not surprised that we ended up here.
1: All right. So anyway, Chris Kleiman uh well, the other similar to Kevin Kay- DeBoer, and this will be true of a couple of coaches we'll talk about, lots of national championships at lower levels. He mm-hmm. coached at North Dakota State, where he went 69-6, and won four FCS championships in five oh, years.
0: Wild. How the Dakotas, Dakotas really dominate low-level college football.
1: They do, yeah. Uh He has a defensive background, but his offenses at Kansas State have generally rated quite well. Uh We talked... I think we talked more offline about Will Howard, who uh, has been one of this offseason's most coveted recruits. And one of the unfortunate things about this time is that, you know, a lot of guys like that who might potentially follow a coach uh, have already committed to other locations. Uh, Kleiman making $5.5 million annually with a $6 million buyout. So if the Huskies want him, they certainly can make him a much more attractive offer than his current contract.
0: I mean, obviously, Kansas State can probably up that money as well if they're coming after him, but. I think it is important to look at coaches who have had success at like, I, I guess, slightly smaller schools. Kansas state is a smaller program overall, but I do think there's a little bit of the element of like being in the big 10 is there's a difference and being when you're changing from the big 12 to being one of the power Two schools, that is a more attractive job long-term.
1: Yes. And well,
0: the, 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 wins, I mean, he's been, to the Sugar Bowl with Kansas State. Obviously, they upset TCU in the game to get there, uh, but he's won some prominent bowl games and his record is quite strong at Kansas State. I think it would be an interesting one to see what a coach like that with additional resources
1: could do with the program. Do you want an offensive background and even more lower-level college championships?
0: Absolutely, I do.
1: Well, we stay in the state of Kansas with Lance Leipold? Who uh, went 109 and six in eight years at Wisconsin Whitewater, winning six Division three titles. Uh, later moved on to become the head coach at Buffalo, where they started slowly but won the conference twice in his last three years. That got him the Kansas job and he has done unprecedented things with the J. Looks
0: that these guys are all kind of old. It's pretty weird. We're talking to these coaches where it's like it's either gonna be a 33-year-old or like a 60-year-old. <laughs>
1: Uh, Well, well, Willie Fritz also would have been a strong candidate had he not already taken the Houston job, Troy Gannon's former coach at Tulane.
0: Lance Leipold and Chris Kleiman, both definitely a little bit older, four coaches who would just now be getting an opportunity in like a Big Ten program.
1: I mean, Ryan Grove isn't particularly young for a first time head coach in, in his own right uh kansas top 10 in offensive efficiency each of the last two years their nine wins were their most since 2007 and they earned their first bowl win since 2008 so that's a place that has been ex- one of the most difficult places in the country to win kansas historically and Leipold has managed to do that there so the offensive also, background i like
0: famously was comfortable with the students on campus taking a goal post and dumping them into a lake <laughs>
1: Uh, I think the last other noteworthy current head coach we should talk about, I'm a little surprised you didn't say him, is uh, Jed Fish from Arizona. Oh,
0: I love Jed Fish too. Yeah. I don't know if I love Jed Fish. How about that? But what Jed Fish accomplished at Arizona this season, it's one of those things where you're like, this could be a year from now, and that could have been like a random, wow, how weird was it that 2023 Arizona was good? Or it could be like Jed Fish finally got his program built up enough, and now he's great. I, I think with, with Jed Fish, the piece of possibly having the quarterback come with him is, is another huge piece.
1: And offensively, they were pretty good in 2022 when Jaden Delora was their starting quarterback, the Washington State transfer. They were 27th in FPI offensive efficiency in 2022 as the defense wasn't very good. Uh, they improved to 15th in FPI offensive efficiency last season with Noah Fafita at quarterback taking over, uh, obviously gave the Huskies a scare, came damn close to running the table after that. And uh, it was, let's see here, just their second time with 10 wins since 1998 in the uh, the last of the Dick Tomey teams, by the way, the Billy Joe Hobart. Suspension came the same week as UW had its winning streak that dated back to 1990 lo- snapped in wow. 1992. So That was definitely the worst week. Had to yeah, had yeah. to confirm that. Uh, they to- you UW took
0: recovered a- from that pretty quickly, right?
1: I mean, <laughs> they were <laughs> good for So were- I
0: don't think a structural problem at the time, right? were they? They they were like had a bowl ban, did they not?
1: Yeah, and like weren't allowed to play on TV for a couple of years, scholarship that, productions. Yeah, none of that is happening. To
0: play on TV. It's so I fucked was, up.
1: Yeah, the NCA is bad. I'm I think the
0: NCA has gotten a lot better, but like the corporatization of the NCA is two thumbs up from me. Um, <laughs> but it's just absurd that that happened.
1: Uh, so, anyways, when Jed Bush took over, the Arizona previously had ranked 150 in FBI efficiency during the shortened 2020 season. He's got more of a West Coast background, spent a year as the offensive coordinator at UCLA in 2017, and then did does have some familiarity with Seattle as he was Pete Carroll's first quarterback coach in 2010 before returning to the college ranks. And notably, Jed Fish, it was reported in November that he was in talks on a new contract, still has not signed it yet. He's currently making an average of $3.5 million with a $5.5 million buyout.
0: I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense for those coaches at that time period to have waited this one out. I get the feeling, considering that every single coach seems to have the same agent, there might have been some knowledge behind the scenes that there was about to be a big job opening that would have a domino effect on many other coaches.
1: Right. I, I don't know how many of these coaches have Jimmy Sexton as their agent. Uh, Ryan Grubb does not, notably, so... Although he, uh, he probably had some yet. inside info on what was going to happen. <laughs> Ryan
0: like, Grubb doesn't have Jimmy Sexton as his agent yet.
1: Uh, Jed Fish also does not. So. so it's not necessarily that kind of situation. But I mean, I feel after having gone through like when I first saw at the patent has been posting lists on the discord and I wasn't like feeling super excited about the list. But once I actually went through this, I I like the, the small school success for Kleiman and Leipold uh, both of them. Jed Fish, I think, makes sense geographically, has been recruiting in the area. Uh, you know. But still, Ryan Grubb is is the, the top of my list.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's pretty fair. I mean, I think if they ended up with any one of those coaches, it would be fine. I think it would be fine.
1: I mean, I think that's the number one takeaway of this pod. Things are going to be okay. This is a dark day. Obviously disappointing. Would have loved to see Kaelin DeBoer coach here forever and be the next on James. But... That wasn't in the cards, and uh, we'll see how quickly the Huskies move because they do have that time pressure of players, you know, potentially looking at transfers. Uh, they're they're much like Alabama did. It took them about forty eight hours from Saban's retirement announcement of Saban's retirement to completing the uh, the hiring of DeBoer. Uh, we'll see how quickly the Huskies move. We could be in for a record fourth emergency pod this week. <laughs>
0: I feel like maybe I guess over the weekend it would have to happen. We have to yeah. have the fourth in by Monday. Wow. I actually feel way better after listening to this podcast. <laughs> <I don't
1: know. laughs> and you were part of it. Wow. Yeah. Well, I hope everyone else feels that way too. Uh, we did get a message on Instagram asking for uh, an emotional support emergency pod. So look, if we can play that role, we're happy to do it.
0: I, I really just think overall the message that everything is going to be fine and that you don't know the Pelton cast golden rule always comes into play. And he was honestly like, I I felt that with Pete Carroll leaving too. I mean, not to, not to pivot here, but I was like, damn, I'm like, literally I wanted Pete Carroll fired the day before. And then he was (laughs) fired. And I was like,
1: God, but, well, once you once he saw yourself. Russell Wilson posing with him, with all of the ex-players <laughs> yeah. at the restaurant. But that's
0: not Pete Carroll right now. I know there were a lot of current players in that photo. Okay. Uh, um.
1: <laughs> well, what's kind of odd, although the current players were all at the, many of the current players were at his press conference of, of that day. Most were sitting next to third Pelton brother Mike Dugar in the front row.
0: That's the thing. When somebody leaves, you only remember the good times. And like the Pete Carroll who is in there in those photos, all these great stories about Pete Carroll. Look, I we talked about this on the podcast both before. Literally when I was telling Pete Carroll to retire, bitch, you have to acknowledge how great of a person Pete Carroll seems to be. I won't say is because you just don't. Being from the outside, I don't think you actually know who a person is. But from the outside, how good of a person Pete Carroll seems to be. And clearly his players supported him. That was never a question. But there's also the Pete Carroll that, the, even the quotes from today, I was like, "Wow, thank oh. you for making me feel better about the oh, firing Pete Carroll." So
1: much better. We'll where save that he was for like, next week's <laughs> pod or when the Seahawks, whatever. And I'm and like,
0: whose job? Whose job could it be to communicate? And I'm like, I'm like, that's kind of your entire job. The I media think.
1: convinced people our defense was bad.
0: <laughs> the media. <laughs> they. <laughs> I, that was an incredible one. So that is the Pete Carroll, the P, like the Steelers team that ran all over and ultimately sealed his fate. That's also Pete Carroll. Like Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll is fun, but like there's a reality to this that maybe let's say it's Dan Quinn, let's say it's somebody else. Maybe they're not as fun as Pete Carroll was, but they might be better at winning football games right now. And ultimately, that's kind of the most important thing. You want both at the same time uh, is the ideal situation, but. You don't you don't know how you're going to feel until it happens. And honestly, for Kaelin DeBoer, I was really nervous about this. Now that it's happened, I'm like, this is okay. Is Oregon ahead of us right now? Absolutely, they are. But like, they they could be in a similar situation. They had Mario Cristobal leave
1: two years ago. Like, the shit just it, and, and it turned out to happening. be the greatest thing that ever happened for them.
0: And also now. That, I wouldn't say ever. Chip Kelly was probably the greatest thing that ever happened. Actually, no. Phil Knight
1: might be the greatest thing it, to have ever happened. It was Phil Knight. Kenny Wheaton's a close second, unfortunately.
0: Uh, <sighs> but you you just don't know how you're going to feel until that moment. And you also probably don't know how you're going to feel until multiple years down the road. Until we see what happens. Because the Huskies were in a pretty bleak place right before Kaelin DeBoer was hired. And all of a sudden, two years later, they're in the national fucking championship. And, like, Kalen DeBoer deserves a lot of credit for that. But the institution overall also deserves that credit for that. The players who are on the field deserve that credit, many of whom are already at the program. Like, Michael Penix was new. handful of players were new. But there are a lot of players who are already here that they just needed the right offense. And there's still a lot of players that are already here that just need the right offense. Maybe it's Ryan Crubs. Maybe it's Lance Leopold's. Maybe it's Chris Clayman's. But, like, they're... Everything is going to be fine. The team didn't move. That's a, we've got the worst to the, look at. In they Seattle. didn't go zero twelve. The team to go zero twelve. They didn't move. They don't have a bull band. They can't not be on TV. Like structurally, nothing went wrong. But we've all seen way worse than this. You have so a poster of a team that moved right behind you. So
1: <laughs> I I only have it on my wall because they literally moved and left it. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, this is fine. There's going to be another coach. There's going to be another coach of all of these schools, again. So, everything is fine.
1: I I love Kalen DeBoer.
0: Kalen DeBoer was a great coach. If I have to throw any shade at Kalen DeBoer, probably should have lost, like, four teams this year. And, (laughs) right?
1: In might have been better. (laughs)
0: Yeah, no. We got one really fun run out of it. It sucks that they lost in the national championship game, but In the same way that I still love Coach Sark, right? Yeah. And his tenure here, it was fun. It was fun to have Coach Sark, and it was fun to have Chris Peterson.
1: Would have loved Sark so much more if he was Alabama coach, Steve Sark. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't think that (laughs) one was
0: a fit? I actually don't know if Sark, I think Sark might have the redemption story. And like, I think he coached there, remember? Just having coach I there doesn't so, I think you're treating
1: Alabama as too Nick Saban. I bet there's a lot of Alabama boosters who were excited about the idea of getting a little more new school.
0: Well, I don't think they're gonna get that much more new school.
1: <laughs> they will get gifts on uh on on X, formerly known as Twitter, anytime they add a recruit from here on out.
0: Oh great, Nick Saban wasn't doing that. I'm just saying Nick Saban. I don't know, know if he was or it wasn't. Okay. Uh I yeah.
1: That's a good way to finish it on that. Ned, <laughs> thanks so much for listening. We'll see if there's another emergency pod this weekend or if we're back with the weekly pod. We could we also have at a Seahawks point. emergency. You, did,
0: you didn't forget about that. I think the Seahawks are going to take longer,
1: but like, I, I agree. The Seahawks will be, likely
0: take longer. Is there no Kellen Moore steam at all? Is that not even because he doesn't seem like he wants to be a college coach or
1: I'd be surprised by it, but it'd be kind of cool.
0: I mean, I like uh, Kellen Moore.
1: I want Kellen Moore as Seahawks offensive coordinator if they hire Dan Quinn as head coach. That's that's my preferred outcome at this point.
0: All right, I like it. Kellen Moore is like our end game. <laughs> <laughs> He's our Jake hater. Yeah, someday,
1: <laughs> maybe so. we will
0: end up with Kellen Moore in the city of Seattle. Thanks he didn't even—he wasn't even the coach when they won the Fiesta Bowl or the quarterback It's Jared Zabransky, right? Like, I don't even Correct. know why we love Kellen Moore so much. <laughs> Shots to Prosser. His, I guess so. Oh, fair enough. Where's Prosser?
1: Uh, we learned at one point on this podcast. I, I don't know when this came up in my search history, that it's closer to Seattle than it is to Pullman. <laughs> by, by like. So. Somewhere between Seattle and Pullman. I don't know if I can find Prosser on a map. Shuts to Prosser, though. Chester Wherever it fight.
0: may be. <laughs> I love- we're like it has a comma oh, after it. So it's, we love them.
1: It's just outside of Richland. So we pass it every time we're taking the U.S. That's Yakima closer to Povin.
0: No, there, no it's not.
1: I I don't that's what someone said. No, that's definitely not true. Decidedly not true. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where that came from.
0: I liked on the Discord that the beer channel all of a sudden started going off right after the uh, <laughs> the huskies. I was like, this feels fitting. <laughs> I'm just like, I went and got the Maui onion chips, Hawaii like literally the best chips on the face of the earth. I was like Sorry that you're allergic to these, Luca. But I need these. Um, I got those. I'm gonna go to Chipotle. We're fine. We're so back, bro. That holdovers movie. I swear to God, that was like up there with the best movies I've ever watched.
1: I agree. I loved. It. I
0: couldn't. I couldn't even believe. Like throughout it, I was like, I had another thought on movies too. Actually, watching um, Saltburn. I, I gotta
1: go watch NBA games. Okay. This is the, we last saved one, the last movie line. thoughts for Wait, a different. thought.
0: No, watching Saltburn when people were like, it's anachronistic to have this song be in this time period or like this song didn't come out until right after and I'm like that's the nerdiest shit that you could do is be worried about when a song came out I was like I watched the the Hateful Eight and there's a White stripe song in it and I was like it's set right after the Civil War like that the songs, songs don't have to match the time period it's just like if that's how you want to approach this if you want to have the least amount of fun watching a movie then have that fun anyway
1: I mean I agree with the take it's also like in your head, the songs of an era run together. I'm not like, no, that came out on August 6th, 2006. So I wasn't listening to it at the same time as the song that came out on March 20th, 2007. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're all the same in my head.
0: Yeah, Shorty got low, 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 low. Just like
1: De DeBoer's timeline will overlap with Jimmy Lakes eventually.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Obama. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for listening. Okay. Bye. Oh, that was part of the podcast? Yeah. okay. You didn't know that? I swear. I just want to talk with the holdovers. I finished that. I like. Oh, again I guess I have row, to go watch NBA games. I don't know. I was shocked how good it was.
1: It was great. I agree.
0: I'm going to watch Knock at the Cabin by M. Night Shyamalan today.
1: That's not a meme movie. In,
0: it was in the Ringers top 10 movies of the year, which is a bonkers list. <laughs> it's not any of the movies. I'm Okay. You can go. Bye.